Welcome to day two of the Zawani launch. Some years ago, George Bernard Shaw sent Winston Churchill an invite to the opening of his show with a note that said, So Winston, two tickets to the opening of my show for you and a friend if you have one. Churchill replied with, I can't make the opening night, Mr. Shaw. Could I have tickets for the second night if there is one? Classic Churchill. Well, for Zawani, there is one. This is day two. Good to have you back for day two and every day after that. Our program, like yesterday, is once again filled with inspirational, God-honoring business people that don't just talk the talk, mm. but walk the walk, <laughs> as we saw yesterday. I was particularly struck by Rory Dyer's account of prayerfully mm. giving away the last of their funding and their budget to another church sure. in need and trusting God to provide, which he did tenfold a few days later through an anonymous donation of pure gold coins. I mean, I want to say that's faith in action, but I think faith without action really isn't faith at all, is it? And I also have to shine a spotlight on Paul Kim's definition of redemptive business again. A business is redemptive when it is holistically attempting to bring to bear in the world that good which has been lost. Love that. Very good. So if you missed any of the input yesterday, you can listen to more of those stories and resources on the Ziwani website at ziwani.com. And you can also find and follow Ziwani on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on the gram. But our first guest today is Jacques DeVos. He's the CEO of Mezzanine, a technology and advisory company that delivers digital solutions to companies doing business in Africa. They see mobile technology as a major enabler for creating productive societies. Now, Mezzanine has also been using their technology for COVID-19 vaccine, Roll Us Rod Africa, my kind of guy. Good morning, Jacques. <laughs> Good morning, Thank you very much for that for that introduction. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here this morning. I'm very excited about this this uh, opportunity to really just share some of the thoughts that's on my heart um, on the topic of rebuild. So, d- developing and delivering innovative and scalable solutions to systemic problems in Africa. So, the topic of my 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 uh, session today really is accelerating the use of digital in Africa or the digitization of Africa. So just a quick intro. So my name is Jock, as was introduced, happily married with a wonderful wife and four kids. And from a very young age, I've been drawn towards Africa, the continent and its people and the potential of of the continent. And I had the pleasure of working in, in 18 different countries over the last 15 years in delivering digital solutions, both to governments and also to private enterprise customers. And during this period, I had the opportunity and been fortunate to meet amazing people, entrepreneurs, young women starting their own businesses, and really encouraged me and motivated me to also invest from my side in developing productive societies in Africa by using technology. So I'm an engineer by training. And where we work really is at the intersection of using digital and mobile in solving for industry-specific needs and requirements or systemic problems. In healthcare, it means access to quality health services, cost-effective, accessible health services. Education, it means improving education outcomes for our kids. Agriculture is allowing farmers to transact with formal value chains purchase quality inputs and get a good price for when they 
when they, when they sell to an off-taker. Financial services, it's really providing access to financial services for those that never been able to access a banking service or a credit product or insurance product. And then utilities, access to basic services, clean water, electricity. So what I would like to share with you really today is why we believe that digital and mobile will be a key enabler in driving economic growth in Africa. So there's a lot of talk about the fourth industrial revolution and a lot of people that I engage with are quite skeptical and I have reason to be skeptical. As a continent, we've not participated in the first three industrial revolutions. So if you look at steam, electricity, the, the, the microprocessor or microcomputing or personal computing, Africa as a continent has not participated in any of these three revolutions, meaning we've not been able as a continent to translate what can be referred to as a technology benefit into economic benefit for the citizens of this continent. Now, the economists referred to this as a challenge of economic diffusion. Now, why would the fourth one be different? Why do we believe that as a continent, will we not only just enjoy the benefits of the fourth industrial revolution, but also actively participate in devel developing and delivering digital solutions consumed both locally and export to other regions globally? Now, one of the key reasons why we've not participated in the first three industrial revolutions is really because of our inability to invest in the means to deliver the benefit to where it's required or where the need resides. In the case of steam, not investing in railways. In the case of electricity, not investing in industrial grids or electricity grids and distributing electricity to a household level or to a business level. In the case of, of uh, personal computing, personal microprocessing capability, landlines, the inability to provide a landline connection to an average household in Africa. The telephone was invented by Alexander Graham Bell in 1867. In 1994, only one out of 100 people in Africa has access to a landline. So in more than 120 years, we've only been able to get 1% uptake of the technology benefit that we've seen so many other global regions benefiting from. Now, why do we think this time around it will be different? The key reason is mobile as an enabler. As we speak today, there's more than 880 million SIM cards subscribers in Africa, mobile phone subscribers in Africa. Of that, about 520 million active subscribers. Of the 520 million, 330 million of these subscribers use their phones to access the internet. That's just amazing. The power and the means to deliver value to 520 million people on a day-to-day -day basis. So, first reason is mobile as enabler, meaning the equivalent of a railroad or electricity distribution grid using mobile networks and the reach of mobile to deliver value to the last mile in, in Africa. The second reason is that we will be able to leapfrog a lot of legacy models, business models, because we've not participated in the first three industrial revolutions. 
we will now be able to introduce new business models without competing with legacy business models. Just to give you one example, our colleagues from Kenya brought us the gift of Impesa, invented in or first deployed in 2007 in Kenya by Safaricom. Today, we have got more than 56 million people using Impesa service on a monthly basis. So we've been able to do what the traditional brick and mortar banking industry has not been able to deliver. We've been able to deliver with a mobile capability. So just to give you an idea, for each 100,000 citizens in Africa, there's about six banks, brick and mortar banks. There's about 13 ATMs, but there's 340 mobile money agents. So 56 times more mobile money agents than brick and mortar banks where you can access financial services. That is what excites us. That is what motivates us to look for more innovative ways of delivering value to, to the citizens of Africa. Now, I've touched on the topic of a business model, and this for us is really where, the, where it starts. If you look at a business model, it really consists, in our view, of three components. A, to create value, so you have a service or solution for a specific need or requirement or that address a specific problem statement. Secondly, you need the ability to deliver the value that you've created to where the need resides. And then thirdly, you need to be able to capture value. In other words, you need to monetize the value you deliver in order to deliver that in a sustainable and scalable way. Now, unfortunately, in Africa, and in my experience the last 15 years, a lot of our companies and businesses do not have a sustainable and scalable business model. We see a lot of industries having an extractive business model, just focusing on the capturing of value component. Look at the mining industry. We are a resource-rich continent. We extract these resources, we export them. Agriculture, cacao. We produce more than 90% of the world's cacao produce but yet we only capture 6% of the cacao or chocolate value chain. That needs to change. A second one, much needed, is the developmental agenda, focusing on the delivery of value. Now, delivery, deliver, development services are absolutely necessary, but how do we deliver these services and solutions in a sustainable and scalable way? How do we move from just delivering value to also creating and capturing value? And this is where we believe mobile will play a key role in enabling more and more businesses, entrepreneurs, startups, to deliver sustainable and scalable business models, innovative, scalable solutions for systemic problems on the continent. Let's make it tangible, just to give you one idea, agriculture. We've got about 77 million small-scale farmer families in Africa. Only 7% of these farmers participate in a formal value chain, either on the input side, buying quality seed or inputs from input providers, or on the off-taking side, selling to a formal off-taker or processor or retailer. Now, how can we change this? How can we use mobile to allow these farmers to participate in formal value chains. Let me give you an idea. Agriculture 
contribute on average between 25 and 35% of GDP in a number of sub-Saharan African countries. Yet, only 6% of commercial credit are allocated to the agriculture value chain. That is not on a primary production level. It's on the input upstream or downstream side of the, of the food value chain. Very few, if any, commercial banks see a small-scale farmer today as a credit-worthy customer, meaning it's an unserved segment. So what we've done, working with the likes of a Safaricom in Kenya, and our colleagues there will be familiar with the product Digifarm, M. Kaluma in Tanzania, Connected Farmer in Zambia, Mozambique, Ghana, Nigeria, is to develop a digital marketplace that allows these farmers to choose who they want to buy from to be able to access quality inputs, to improve both productivity, their yields, and their income. Also to choose who they want to sell to. A lot of these farmers are locked into what we refer to as a hyper-local marketplace. So digital really allows farmers to now participate in global value chains, in global off-taking agreements, exporting their produce to Europe and to the US and in doing this, get a premium for their product. So this is just one example of how mobile can allow us to deliver sustainable and scalable solutions in addressing systemic problems um, on the African continent. The, the, the thought I want to leave you with, and a, a challenge I want to, to put to you is, your business today, does it tick all three of these boxes, creating, delivering, capturing value? Are there ways that you can use digital and mobile to pivot into servicing an unserviced segment? Maybe your product and service is a great product and service, but it's not accessible. It's maybe not affordable. Maybe from an ease of use point of view, it's not something that can be consumed. I want to challenge you as a business leader, as a Christ-led business leader, how can you rethink and re-innovate how you do business in Africa in making sure that we deliver and develop scalable and sustainable solutions. For the, the president of the Africa Development Bank, Professor Adesina, used to say, or often say, we need to be impatient in moving and growing Africa. I need us to be impatient in taking our services and our products and our solutions to more markets, to more segments. Are we investing in the next generation of leaders in our business? Are we investing a percentage of our time in upskilling and knowledge transferring to those that can potentially bring a difference in their societies and in their communities. This is where I think we can make a difference. I would like to just share, to close with um, a word of encouragement. The, uh, Matthew 13 verse 24, a parable uh, that Jesus shared the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weed, weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants sprouted and formed grain, the weeds appeared also. The servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then how does it have weeds in it? He replied to them, An enemy has done this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them out? But he said, No, because as you pull out the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, first gather the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, but gather wheat into my barn. Now I often, and, and this is just a reflection on my own allocation of time, we spend a disproportionate amount of our time in trying to weed out the weeds in looking for the enemy. We need to trust God to do His part. What He asks us is to continue to seed, to, to sow good seed. That is our instruction. I would like to encourage you and, and I'll pray for the conviction that we continue to sow good seed, that we continue to invest in building sustainable and scalable businesses that focus on developing innovative solutions for all the problems we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share some of my thoughts and uh, I pray for a blessed rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you.